What's up, everybody? It's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition, and you're tuned in to Kind of Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in again. I appreciate it. You know the drill right now. Actually, I'm going to do some reverse psychology. I want you guys to not follow us on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. Do not follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Don't ever fucking even look at IM databases with two S's, Twitter. Don't bother going to the fucking YouTube channel. Don't bother commenting and leaving five stars on iTunes when you search Kind of Neat. And please never visit kindofneat.net. The reason that I say this is because I feel like you get sick of hearing me to tell you to do that. So if I tell you to not do it, perhaps maybe you'll actually go do it, you lazy bastard. The other day in the mail, I got a letter from like a lawyer or a law firm group stating that I was part of a class action lawsuit against one of my former employees. Now, this former company that I worked for may or may not be like one of the biggest print and shipping companies, office printing, you know, photocopies and stuff like that. I used to work there and for some reason I now have like 400 bucks that are going to come to me in the mail just because I worked there and apparently they were like really uh, an evil corporation about letting us go to lunch on time or like paying for vacation days and, and silly shit like that. I have no idea, but it's nice to, to get a thing in the mail that says, hey, you're going to get 400 bucks. The great thing is I talked about it previously on one of the podcasts like about when uh, I had my first show, how we went to a copy shop and the girl gave us a bunch of free copies. Well... After that, after I graduated college, me, DJ Merge, who DJs for me, Equilibrium, who makes the beats, we all ended up working at the same copy shop because we're broke and that's what we needed jobs and that's what we did. We worked at copy shops. So it was very much like the Chappelle skit. And it's funny because we were working there like when the Chappelle skit came out. So people would come up to us and go, hey man, how do you feel about that Chappelle skit? Like, is it, and I'm like, it's hilarious. What do you mean? Like they would ask us like we thought we were, like they thought we were going to get offended or some shit. It was hilarious. And it's exactly how it is. Like when you work there, you really don't give a fuck about helping people. But the good news is about the one that I worked at, I worked at um, one that was on a campus in Santa Barbara just for legal reasons. I'm not going to say what the company was, but you know, I figure at this point you could probably piece it together. The one we worked at didn't have cameras and it was just me and DJ merge, um, Leon. And since it didn't have cameras and we only had one manager there above us, like we got pretty good at being Robin hoods. Like we felt like we were Robin hoods. We felt like we were very noble people in that we would basically steal the shit we would steal everything from them, like including a shit ton of money. And it's pretty evil in hindsight. But at the time I was broke as fuck and they were only paying us like maybe 10 bucks, 11 bucks an hour. Who knows if even that. And, um, since there were no cameras, we started getting really good at simple arithmetic. And so it started off where like people would pay for faxes and it was like a fax was a dollar. I'm completely dry snitching on myself in this. So hopefully none of you guys, you know, get me in trouble for this. Don't be jerks. But no, it started off with faxes. Faxes were a buck. So people would always pay in cash. So it's like, oh, hey, you got to fax one page. That's $1. Five pages, five bucks. So people will come in, pay five bucks to do five pages of fax. And we, it's like, hey, do you need a receipt? And if they say no, cool. We're not punching in that fucking receipt. I'm putting that $5 in my pocket. And then it got to the point where, you know, we were splitting the fax money every day, maybe leaving with like 20 bucks in our pocket. And then we're like, well, wait a second. We know how to balance these registers. If people are paying in cash and they don't need receipts, no one's ever going to know if we just pay really good attention and take money out of the registers. So it started being like, oh, hey, uh, you know, it's $7.90. Do you need a receipt? And they're like, nah. Okay, cool. Well, they gave us a 10. All right, here's $2.10 back as your change. And then we would make note in our heads, 
Remember to take $7.90 out of the register because I didn't need a receipt and that's your money. And it got really fucking, it got really intense by the, by the end of the, of our tenure working there, we were probably pocketing like 80 bucks a day. And I remember one time a kid comes in and he's in a rush. It's like his final class. And he's like, uh, He's like, hey man, I'm in a super hurry. I have to get to, I have to get to class in 45 minutes, and I have my report is due, and it's all on this thumb drive. But I don't know if you're going to be able to do it. Is there any way that you can get this to me in 45 minutes? It's like 40 pages of color prints, and I need it bound in a notebook and three hole punch and this that, and the other. And I was like, it would be a five minute job. I was like, oh yeah, man, no problem. I was like, um, our credit card machines are down though. Can you pay in cash? And he said, oh, yeah, I could pay in cash. I said, cool, I'll do a quick estimate for you. And it came out to like, I don't know, it was like 140 bucks for everything they need or something. I was like, look, I'll tell you what, if you pay in cash, I'll give it to you for 100 bucks. Just come back in about a half hour. He said, cool. He runs off. I print it out. I'm done in like five minutes. He comes and gives me $100 and he thanks me and says that I saved his life. And I'm thinking, man, you saved my life too because my rent is going to be a little easier this month, you know? Uh, <laughs> I put, put the 100 bucks in my pocket and go about my day thinking that I had just made the major come up. Then we also weren't allowed to ex- accept tips. So mind you, we weren't supposed to accept tips. But then this guy comes running back after his class about two hours later and he's like, yo, man, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much you saved my life. Like this is the best experience I've ever had at a copy shop. And he says, here, this is for you, man. I know they don't pay you that much. I'm like, yeah, thanks, Dick. He fucking gives me $30 in cash, not realizing that I already had his other hundred in my pocket. And so I'm walking away with $130, not to mention all the fax money that we fucking made out with that day as well. And it was just like christmas eve all of a sudden and at the time i was living with a girl at the time the one that like all the breakup songs on girls like me is about and uh dude we used to eat so good we were like these two young kids fresh out of college and i would come home with like 80 bucks in my pocket every night i'd be like hey let's go eat steak i got fat as shit that year working there and uh it was a great time and it's funny because at that time at my brokest job was probably the richest i've ever been because off the books I was probably making more money than I've ever made in any year since then. And I was living with a girl and we had a cat and like, I don't know. It's funny. Like my shittiest job was probably the time of my life where I was the most adult and most responsible and had the most uh, income coming in. And that's the end of the story. There's really no point to it. It was just like, hey, man, thank you guys for all all that um, that cash that you gave me unknowingly. And now thank you for the class action lawsuit that I'm going to get. It's like things just come in full circle, don't they? Anyhow, this week on the podcast, we sat down with a talented young man named Zero. I found out about Zero. I've been hearing his name, but I'm like one of these people where I have to hear someone's name a few times and have a few people that I like vouch for them before I'll honestly go and check them out. And one night I just kind of got lost in an internet K-hole and I started looking up something on YouTube and then and then I found some other shit on YouTube and then I found some videos featuring Zero and then that led me to more videos of Zero songs and then I ended up at his band camp and listened to the whole album one night. I don't really do that late at night. I don't like just listen to people's albums randomly. I'm too busy looking at porn and going to sleep. Um, (laughs) but I was really geeked on this fool. And, um, I started texting people that I know like, God damn, have you heard of this fool zero? He's so tight. Yada, yada, yada. So I hit him up, emailed him and said, Hey, what's up, man? You want to be on my podcast? And uh, we've been going back and forth for a few weeks and I finally got him in here. And I think you guys are going to enjoy this conversation. It was a nice, uh, 
philosophical, spiritual conversation. The dude has a very like shamanistic aura about him. Uh, he's a thinker. And uh, I think we touched on some stuff that a lot of people will, will relate to. Also, the song that he dropped that you can find that you don't have to go look at on youtube.com slash that's kind of neat was fucking awesome so you know he runs with john wayne he runs with a lot of talented people and i think you guys are going to enjoy this podcast and i know that you're going to enjoy his music because it's dope so with that being said here's my conversation with zero Went to engineering school for a little while. Oh yeah, what engineering school? Um, I went to Long Beach City. Is that where you're from, Long Beach? Yeah. Born there? Born and pretty much raised there. Yeah. What part of Long Beach? Um, my grandpa stayed on the west side. Uh-huh. That's pretty much where I stay now. Yeah. And, um, went to church on the east side a whole lot. So. What's up with Long Beach? I know that it's like pretty dangerous down there sometimes. Huh? <laughs> I think it was in the past. It's not too bad now. Not so bad anymore? Nah. Did you nah. have to like try to avoid gang warfare and stuff as a kid? Or like did you have to avoid trying to be jumped into any gangs? <laughs> not really. I think there was more of a, a mystique about it. And like kids who did it were really cool at that time. There was like this whole skateboard, dye your hair blonde being a gang thing going on i don't really it wasn't very appealing but it was tempting like black dudes were dying their hair blonde and being scared yeah, kids dude. in gangs yeah dude like huh. i don't want to like cause any right right <laughs> any like ruckus but yeah insane babies like those were the cool kids when i was growing up right yeah this is what in like the mid 90s early 90s um maybe like the early 2000s early 2000s yeah i get my generation <laughs> now, now that i'm getting up in my years I get yeah my generations mixed yeah up. me too though. what were you like in school I was um, maybe up until high school was super studious, like top of my class shit. But later on, I guess I, I don't know, just wanted to explore what else life was about. Were you early to grow? Like you're, you're a big above average size dude, I would say. <laughs> I mean, like, well, we talked about in the car, six one. Yeah. You know, that's not huge, but that's not small by any means. Did you grow early or were you a late bloomer? Oh shit. Um, I don't know. I've been. I was five eight around. Uh, like seventh grade and yeah. then like just you know bumped up a couple more inches but i'm still the runt in my fam you play a lot of sports as a kid um i just skated and played basketball you still skate yeah i still skate nice <laughs> are, are you any good um i'm all right you That's know tight. yeah just i go in between skating and then like making music like i realize a week or two has gone by and i was having skated so i'm out of shape again but i pick it up really quick again must be hard to skate around in them jesus sandals uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> these are like aesthetics <laughs> yeah like you know just like be comfortable shit but you know i got i got some some 6.0s i feel shit. you uh do you feel like the uh skating and music tie in together oh yeah skating is it was my first meditation yeah um, yeah like really just um losing myself to an activity and having to breathe you know yeah i don't skate but i feel like it seems like it would be a meditative process because it's so much muscle memory and repetition to learn something you really have to it seems like you have to go to a different place you know what i mean or or else you would probably lose yourself to frustration oh yeah metascating yeah and uh is it Next to music, like one of my favorite things to lose myself in. As a kid, I tried to pick up a skateboard in the late 80s because that's, uh, that's when I was raised. Yeah. <laughs> like I was probably like, you know, six or seven when I got my first skateboard. And I remember yeah. all the kids in my neighborhood getting good and starting to be able to ollie. And like one kid could like 
skate and then lift or like you know put pressure on the tail and like do 360 spins you know like just continuously and i was like <laughs> and i saw him i was like oh these kids are so much better than me and I, fuck fuck this i don't have the patience for it because i couldn't i couldn't get into the meditating part of it yeah it's, it's easy to to get discouraged by by the talent of the youth like they're just like incredible at like 10 you know right, right? right. but i don't know i i guess I was like, I don't like running. So, like, I'd rather do this thing that looks and feels cool and, like, it's just gratifying when you land a trick, you right. know? Like, I, I run two laps and I'm like, fuck my life or yeah. something, you know? But, Were you super into uh, skate videos and stuff, too? Oh, yeah. I, I still watch skate videos. Did you learn a lot about music through skate videos? That's that's kind yes. of a theme that I, that I hear from skaters. Dude, it's crazy. Like, um, I think my first brush with any underground music and like just next level lyricism was on like Tony Hawk pro skater, like w wanting to skate, not having a skateboard, jumping over bars and like, you know, just like wishing I could do it and listening to the music on the video game. Huh? Yeah. What songs stuck out to you in particular? Do you remember? Um, I think Dell. Oh yeah. It's important to practice good hygiene. Oh yeah. 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 You got to wash out. Yeah. If you must. <laughs> and uh cannibal ox. Oh yeah. yeah cannibal Iron galaxy. That's such a great album. Oh it's shit. Such a great album. Still the cold vein. Oh, is that cold? Vein, yeah. It's right? cold vein. Yeah. It's still one of my favorites. Yeah. It's an amazing record. I, I heard they have a new one that they're working on or putting out. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. It We'll see if it uh, if they can recreate that same magic. I feel like sometimes um, sometimes music is, is so um, period based. You know what I mean? Where that album is timeless, but it was also it's also represents such a period that sometimes it's hard to recreate that magic yeah. after a certain time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel very yes. very few groups have been able to stick together and keep creating that magic. Like maybe De La Soul is one of them. Mm. You know what I mean? They they never really had a problem recreating the magic that they always create. So yeah, dog, it's. It struck me because they were talking about real shit in a really, like, real way. Like, you know, you, you dabble listening to hood shit, and it's like they're not touching on subjects that, you know, you find, you know, need to be heard and stuff. Yeah. But, you know. I thought the juxtaposition between the two of them as well, where you had one of them kind of being more outward and open with what he was saying, and then one was kind of internalizing his meanings, and you had to like kind of dissect his lyrics a little more than the other. You know what I mean? And their yeah. voices were so upset. It just worked, it worked really well. That's a good. Yeah, album. super. Anyway, super. love that shit. Yeah, love for sure. that shit. So, what year did you pick up a skateboard, or what? What age were you? Shit, um, I had to be in like sixth grade when Tony Hawk pro skater came out oh. you know just like watching that shit it's weird to like get into skateboarding in the in that era where like it was already kind corporate. of cool and yeah, corporate yeah. yeah and then um i think maybe like a few years later that whole like pharrell terry kennedy thing like popped up and like i don't know i guess that like might have turned me off a little bit because it was like all these fools like yeah. running around on skateboards but i still enjoyed it like throughout like just well like when i was in sixth grade I wanted to be a pro baseball player because that's like what I did, you know. Like, so did you look at it when you started as like, you know, maybe this could be a career? Did you ever have that kind of thing? Because mm, at that point, it was already people had careers. You know, yeah, what I'm it was big. Yeah. It, was, it was selling toothpaste. You know what I mean? Like, usually for me, it was like, oh, if I pick it up quick, then you know, maybe there's something in it. But um, like most things in my life that I that I find myself good at, it's just like. You know, it's on some, if it happens, it happens, you know, I, like, I won't like gung ho it or anything like that. It's, it's more like, oh, we'll just, we'll just see. And it seems like you utilize a lot of your um, creativity more for catharsis. Like, it's like you don't do it as a means to uh, 
maybe support yourself, but maybe to support yourself mentally and physically. Oh yeah, barthesis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, I think it because life is precious. Like I shouldn't like squander my moments. So it's it's a lot of like recording for record purposes like you know art for art's sake well almost art for art's sake i mean you know still would like to people uh, to hear it yeah, yeah like people to hear it like people to to buy it you know be be fans of it like elevate the culture like all of that stuff at the same time like i want it to be meaningful for myself so when i look back on it either it's like you know so painful that i don't want to repeat it or it's so beautiful that you know it's it's just great to have and share with people and stuff yeah so you're a sixth grader and you pick up a skateboard do you, do you go through like a little rebellious phase not at all no? I, mean, I was i was a i'm still i still am a good kid yeah stolen the thing in my life for anything like it's just i think at the very most i just rebelled by listening to music and um I don't know. I think around that time I like stopped going to church. Yeah. Like, you know, but yeah, I was going to say you mentioned church. Um, you know, you went to church on the East side, you said, yeah. so were you raised in a very religious household? Very religious. I cannot say, I will say that they were, they are still very Christian. And, yeah. um, I hearken to those Christian values. I think there's a whole lot to be learned from Jesus. And, uh, I just think it closes certain people off or something. Like I went to college and it was just like, expanded minds everywhere and like you know i didn't want to be like you know holding my hands together like yeah you know you start questioning things yeah well i started questioning things long before then and i I didn't even like question it it was more like there's got to be more to it so initially before we go into questioning like initially when you're growing up was it kind of like a a curse-free household and like you know (laughs) like parental advisory cds not allowed that kind of thing yeah it was i mean it was like weird you know how like some things will be like contradictory like you know my dad was he's from the island so he has he he loves to drink and what islands uh the virgin islands yeah st kitts okay you know, he bounced around those, but he likes he likes to drink and he likes like Bob Marley. They were like I was surrounded by these things that I would, I guess, get into later. And, um, you know, just people being people. And it didn't seem like facetious or anything. Right. It was just like you just feel like you can just learn a lot more from other people. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. My mom is a part of the choir. And like where is she from? She's from she was born in Mississippi. And um, moved out here when she was like 12 or 13. And okay. my dad moved out here when he was like 12 or 13. How well. did they end up here? Their parents just found work out here? <laughs> my dad went to Poly and uh, he met other musical talents. My dad plays the bass. Okay. And um, my cousin Mo, he's he's dope. He's He produced, um, I think he did a lot of the live instruments for like Tupac's Me Against the World record. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And like they were in, in Poly the same year as Snoop, like. They all knew each other. It was very, very interesting. Shit was bubbling back then yeah, at Poly. Really. Like, I, I knew about Long Beach Poly even up back home, like, you know, five states away. Like, mm-hmm. Long Beach Poly had a, had a bit of, um, it was known. Yeah, it was like, it was the place to go. In fact, I wanted to go there really bad because my dad went there and I was like, I heard lots of famous people went there. I was like, Yo, I just, I want to be, I want to catch that essence. That Where air. did you end up going? King Drew. What kind of school was that? A medical magnet. A medical magnet. Yeah. Wow. So were you planning on being a doctor? <laughs> no, not at all. It was just like, um, it, it was for, you know, elevated minds. My, my mom had a, a friend, I, I believe her name was Cassandra, and she had a daughter who went to King Drew. 
I almost went to Cabrillo, which is on the west side where I live now. And she was like, no, do not take your son there. It's, it's a new school and like a lot of like hood kids are there. Like, don't let them do that. And took me to King Drew, which was pretty much in Watts. So it was just like a lot of still a lot of hood kids, but more safe, contained environment. Yeah. yeah. Very high walls. Intelligent hoodlums. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I enjoyed that. How did the education uh, values differ in King Drew? A medical magnet. Like I hear that and I think like, oh, you must be just taking biology courses all day oh, or something shit. like well, they had a hospital right across the street from it. And if kids wanted to become doctors, you know, you could be in the hospital program and they take you off campus and like, you know, you serve duty in, in uh, the emergency room or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, I wasn't having it. What, <laughs> what were you doing in high school? By that uh, rapping. Yeah. Rapping a ton and like trying to skate while balancing homework and then. Around my last year was like, you know, six AP classes, like, uh. you know, just trying to get it in, like, really was like, okay, I'm I'm a go for gold, you know. Right, right. While I got the opportunity. When was the first time you wrote a rap? Ooh, when I was like eight. Really? <laughs> yeah, dog. When you're eight, like, okay, so we have a few years between us. So, like, my experience with falling in love and rap is going to be very different than yours. So, I'm curious. I always love talking to, like, younger dudes about what was the shit that made you want to write raps. Ooh. Because for me, with you, when you say you wrote a rap when you were eight, I was probably almost in college by that point. <laughs> so, I'm like, I like Word. you know what I mean? Yeah. So, who was it? Who was the rapper that set it off for you? You know what? I can't even really say, to be honest, like... My grandma wrote poetry mm-hmm. and like uh, one day they came down, they lived in Kentucky. They come down either for Christmas or summer. I think it was Christmas. And um, my aunt, her daughter, was um, sitting on the couch writing a poem for her neighbor, Miss Jewel. And I was like, I want to write a poem. Like I just like I was like. I don't know. I, I like to challenge people when I was little. I was like, oh, I can do that. You're competitive. You know? Very, yeah, still very competitive in here. Yeah. Like, you know, but yeah, like I wanted to do one and I wrote one. It was called Dreams Are for Night. And I don't know. I had to be like six at that point and then went to school and like I had a core group of friends who were like, like one was an actor, like had an agent, little, little kid, curly uh. hair or what have you. And, he wanted to rap too, and I don't know. Like, it was a song called "You Got It Going On." We we wrote. Nice. And yeah, it was sick. about a girl. Yeah, yeah. Nice. I can only remember his verse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because it was his verse was the dopest. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit! Like somebody wrote that for him. And did <laughs> did you? And did that spark your competitive side as well? Yeah. Where you're like, oh shit! Now I gotta step my bars up dog, at eight years old. Dog, dog. Yeah. It was. I was on. I believe it. I was so on. That's interesting. Yeah, I I have actually a, like a similar story about starting to rap. Is like I started with poetry as well. Yeah. Or when I was in third grade, I had this teacher, Mrs. Brody. Rest in peace, Mrs. Brody. She died of skin cancer. Very sweet lady. We had to write a journal every day, and it only it had to be three sentences to make a paragraph and you had to write about your day and i and i me at uh at you know however old that you are in third grade i was like that seemed like a lot of work to me a paragraph sounded like a lot of work <laughs> yeah, and no. i said hey miss brody how about instead of a paragraph why don't you let me write four lines of poetry every day which was four sentences more than three sentences but in my head it seemed easier to me and so she mm. was like yeah sure so every day in third grade i wrote a four line poem <sighs> and it, but it was always like oh I'm sitting in school. I wish I was by a pool, whatever. Like, you know, like the real simpleton <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. But it was the start. It was a start. It's funny because, you know, being a fucking 
eight or nine year old white kid in Alaska, like, and already like starting to like rap music. Like that wasn't and like, so that wasn't though. some normal shit. That's you perfect, know I mean? Yeah. It wasn't some normal shit, but it's like, yeah, anyhow, that was lovely, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Man. Fun times. So anyhow, I'm always interested in how people get their start because I think, I think like there's probably a point in your head where you consider like, Oh, this was when I started really considering myself a rapper and mm. whether it be like the first time you were recording your own, your stuff or like whether it be the first time you were rapping in cypher with your friends it's like mm-hmm. when you really look back you can see that you were really like already a creative wordsmith at a very young age yeah. you know what i'm saying i was talking at one dog oh, i was the same way yeah just early early speaker and i probably wouldn't rap if it wasn't for other rappers like every every stage i went up like there was always someone rapping and i was always like like you know yeah. like i could do that no i think it's i think it's awesome like i, I feel like dudes your, your age like have a step up in that like rap was a fully formed art form when you guys got to start being like influenced by it you know yeah, what i mean like dog. rap was just kind of figuring itself out when i started hearing it you know what i mean like yeah. which is really interesting um the masters of the art form as you're a kid where we're, we were waiting for the masters of the art form to come out you yeah. Know? yeah yeah it's yeah. tight yeah dude like who was it when i first heard doom i had to be like in the middle of high school yeah like you know and like yeah. aesop rock just like like yeah. what i was trying to hope to achieve was already like you know uh quasar and aesop and i was just like well what am i gonna do right, <laughs> like, right you know right. i was like eh, there's no more <laughs> like right you know as far as elevated language goes and then i was just like oh it's, it's all about sharing your own essence and i think that that's what made me like solidify into like my own self i was like oh this is a part of me i've been I, i've low-key been battling with this my whole life just like you know wanting to write and um you know say my piece and um do it in a unique way and yeah it's that's that's where i've landed that's where i am now um you say you you were talking really early at one years old yeah are your parents really bright as well yeah, yeah, my dad skipped a grade, and um, my mother, I mean, she doesn't talk about her school life so much. She's she's really into, like, DIY stuff and home cooking channels and yeah. things like that, but they're both very, very bright. And, and were they, like, really hell-bent on education <sighs> when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. They were like, you know, like, bring home A's and, like, you know, nothing else, you know? They were very gung-ho about it, but... It wasn't like pressure on me. I wanted to do it. Like I was, I was competitive in that as well. You loved school. Yeah, up until high school, <laughs> up until like the middle of high school. Right, right. I feel like we had a similar path in in, in education, where it's like, man, I was so passionate about school as a kid, mm. and then when I got to high school, I think a part of me started questioning even the people that were teaching me, yeah. going like, are these people really that much smarter? Or you know what I mean? Like, are they just kind of like, you know, they're just reading along in the book too? Yeah, you know straight I mean? up. It's just I think I figured out that it was just information, and that information exists, and that I could swallow it up at my own pace and proved it to myself by like moving ahead of people and like chilling you know and that was cool but it didn't last you know i was like i chill and then get comfortable chilling and then like just want to chill all the time Mm. and i had to keep up my competitive nature in order to achieve that and I, i realized i was like well well maybe it's no longer for like education's sake anymore it's like you know it was kind of like to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you go to college? Uh, yeah, I went to Cal State Long Beach, but I didn't finish. Uh-huh. I, went, I went for three years and um, started off in business. It was easy enough because, you know, I would just focus on my studies and nobody talked in the classes, really. Like, I was, like, super 
I was super young and, you know, I was 17 because my birthday is late. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, just in like a finite math class. And I thought that was boring, but I had an elective and it was a theater class. And um, I took to that. It was fun and engaging and completely opposite of my view of school. And I was like, fuck this. I'm a theater major, dog. Like, wow. Yeah, I just like. You I didn't just, do any theater in high school? I always did like tech for theater because I thought it was cool. And like my closer friends were always in the plays and stuff. But I was like, fuck being on stage. I think like the only time I had been on, in a play before that was like, you know, middle school or something like that. But yeah, I totally like went for it. I think that um, people that have a penchant for writing raps and, and being able to rap and particularly to be able to perform in front of people, I think mm. it's kind of a natural transition into acting, honestly. Like yeah. the people that are actually comfortable on stage, I think a lot of times they don't have that much of a problem getting comfortable on stage in different formats yeah. or, or in front of the camera. You know what I mean? So Definitely. I think at that time, too, like um, I was comfortable performing, but um, how comfortable? Like I, I couldn't really say. And like I had to like break out of my shell and and like just take eyes like yes look at me you know yeah. like it was like i, I kind of like jumped into the water you know like i had to get used to it and when you say break out of your shell were you shy as a kid mm, no no i was not shy as a kid but i were I, you a hand bone as a kid what is that <laughs> like a hand bone like someone who who wanted attention I, I know i was talking about this with somebody last night as yeah. a child i was the oldest cousin and i was like early to speak early to read all that shit so yeah. everybody's like oh look at lee look at lee oh watch what lee can do lee do this and i used to dance i used to fucking like whatever i could juggle by the time i was in second grade Damn. you know like stupid shit <laughs> so i was like their little i was like their little kid that would do tricks for them and entertain everybody yeah. were, were you kind of like that yeah dog i have vivid memories of going to chuck e cheese and not playing the games i would just dance in the front for hours dog just like you know dance to the songs with the people who work there and shit yeah. and like be walking back to the table people like smacking my back giving me drinks i was just like that dude at chuck e cheese that's right it's funny because now as an adult i'm like really shy when it comes to dancing yeah like and i kind of look <laughs> yeah. at people that like really go hard in a club dancing like wow that guy is fucking on one but when i was a kid i was a fucking dancing fool dude yeah. I, I, I would be winning dance competitions at the youth center and shit like talking boy I, I loved it yeah it's super about it i was so so about it well i mean i think early on uh when you discover that you can dance that's also how you discover that you have rhythm and rhythm is the basis of fucking rapping you know what I'm straight saying? up so, yeah yeah. Up, so up. anyhow dude yeah it was all of, all about performing and like you know look what i can do and like i can do that better than you mm-hmm. and then as i got older saw people that were better than me and just kept getting hit with that and just like it just wired you yeah like wanting to be better and better and and um i don't know like sometime too i, I like also lost my confidence like i don't know what it was like puberty or something you know like going through the motions but like sometimes I, I would like lose my confidence and then you know at a bigger level there is like higher stakes and you also get like nervous because of that and stuff but I feel like I learned myself out of that again and just remembered like who I was when right. I was young just like go for it dog another thing that struck me earlier that you said was um you know that your parents just expected you to bring home is yeah mine were the same way I could relate to you in that and I remember as a kid 
my friends that would bring home A's, they would get rewarded for them. So it's like, okay, the, it's like A, B, B, A. Okay, you get $30 for each A, $20 oh, for a B. You don't get nothing for a C, whatever. <laughs> and my folks were like, hey, if you don't get all A's, like you're in trouble. It was yeah, like the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Were your folks like that? Yeah, dog. It was like get A's and do the dishes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think um, part of me that drove me to do that was almost like I always just wanted that validation from my folks of like, hey, you're doing good because they weren't easy to say you're doing good where yeah. you're, you're just kind of like that like yeah dog i mean like once they found out that i was bright they were like stay bright and um don't fuck up yeah don't fuck up and yeah. it was like because if you do we'll whoop your ass and remind you of who you are and right. where you came from and yeah like just wasn't <laughs> it was just the the deterrent like yeah not, not necessarily an incentive yeah but my my grandpa kind of spoiled me whenever i like did yeah. good you know dude the same thing my grandmother would spoil me my my folks plus my dad was a medic so it was like when we were sick it's like dude you had to have a limb falling off to go to the <laughs> hospital he's like he's like oh oh yeah you have a big cut on the back of your head cool i'll stitch you up in the bathroom we don't we don't gotta go to the hospital you know that oh kind of God. shit yeah How convenient yeah yeah and so, and so like in, in hindsight talking about being a ham or whatever and seeking that attention and dancing with people i feel like that was also kind of like seeking that validation from people yeah, you know what i mean a lot of validation seeking um you know just so much of what i had been was you know high caliber you know yeah so yeah just yeah, that's that's i never even thought about it you know like in context yeah i usually try not to like put my personal shit too much into the podcast but as you're talking i like really relate to that so i just felt the need to chip in so oh, man, yeah, like, yeah so when did you actually like start recording raps was it in high school uh yeah i was uh so adamant about making music first i started making beats like i I knew I rapped already, but I really didn't have a means to to record. And um, I got Acid Pro, some Sony Acid. That's what I started on. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scoop Deville uses that as well. I just found that out. Oh, tight. But uh, yeah. I didn't even know that was still around. <laughs> yeah, that's, right. That's crazy. I seen it in Guitar Center for like a hundred bucks. I was no, like, shit. oh shit, that's crazy. <laughs> nah, but I started making beats on that, and it was keyframe. So like all of my beats were like Southern style, like beats, you know, just program stuff and um i don't know tightbeats.com i don't know that was like, Posted, like you used to post them on yeah, forums and shit people didn't like them you uh, know because they were just they changed too much they were like strange what were they influenced by at that time like ludicrous stuff you know i always <laughs> guess ludicrous I, like fo- folks in your age range i always guess ludicrous because i'm like that he was the shit at that L- time ludicrous was my nigga yeah like, when it comes to charismatic and expressionism like he was king to me and he was really playing with his voice a lot which yeah. is something you do yeah dude like yeah. probably i mean like people always like liken me to like you know other like underground um favorites you remind me a little bit of breezley bruin i'm not familiar have you ever heard him no go check out prince among thieves to oh out. i've heard that record though oh it's great and he's the star mc that that album it's like a movie yeah so every rapper plays a different character, but the main character is Breezy Bruin. And um, there's something, like, it's not necessarily you guys' voice, but it's something in your cadence and rhythm that reminds me of him. It's the swing, dog. Yeah, because you, you play, <laughs> I think you play with your voice a little more than he does, but yeah. the kind of, like, nonstop bars and, and, and rhymes, it reminds me of Breezy. Yeah, it's... At the time, he was, like, supposed to be next. Like, yeah. he, he was the man. Everybody was like, holy shit, this kid is, like, amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah just something about, like, 
being relentless and having the breath is just like it exudes the mastery. It's like, oh shit, like I can't fuck like I'll be running out of breath. I'll be slobbing, like some shit like that. Things that you have to overcome to to like do that. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's some it's some shit. And I've heard that record before. Like it used to I don't know, somebody sent it to me it was like, you would like this. And it's like, good. Yeah, I dug it. I really dug yeah. it. I haven't heard it in a long yeah, time. Yeah, pop it though. open again and listen to Breezy and tell me if I'm wrong. Uh Ooh. speaking of breathing and breath control, I feel like you you've already brought up meditation yeah. and um talking to you this morning on the way here you said you were doing um you know you do your morning rituals like tell me about the sort of spirituality that you are a part of at this point in your life or like what role meditation and and stuff plays um with the spirituality i think i just i needed something higher than me to Mm -hmm. like um ground me so to speak because i've i've been to many places in the corners of my mind like you know questioning reality and you know like coming into the knowledge of Buddhism when I probably shouldn't have like how old were you when you figured or like learned about Buddhism um I think because you said you started questioning Christianity at like sixth seventh grade huh but well yeah in my mind and yeah. then like I let it out probably like ninth grade and then like you know you get girlfriends or something that's not really into it and like opens up the conversation constantly and um I don't think I really like you know set myself apart from it until like early college Mm -hmm. when there were just like a lot of different, you know, diverse people. And, um, I just needed something higher than me that like brought everything together. Cause really, really it wasn't like, I don't want to be Christian because it's this and that. Like there was always these like negative things they would have to say about Christians. I'm like, well, they're pretty much good people. Like I was raised by them. My parents are still Christian. Mm -hmm. Like you're kind of talking shit right now, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like, um, the notion of praying has always like, you know, brought me peace of mind, you know, and um, I just needed something that was going to make me better. Like being Christian really didn't make me better. It made me afraid to go to hell for the most part. That's a very poignant way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I just needed to know that like there was peace out there somewhere. And um, I generalized it to something like, uh, you know, the most high, you know, like that's, that's who God is. That's what universe is to me. But um meditating is a new trick for me and uh, I didn't really get into it until this past year uh, a friend of mine who I went to high school with she's she's the the it person on on campus out at Tuskegee and was running for city council she's a year younger than me wow. like like had the the competition had to cheat to beat her you know wow kind of thing and when she came to my house during the summer, she was like, oh, I, I want to do this ritual with you. And um, she had this copper pyramid, these like dried cow dung pieces, which is, you know. Yeah. Well, I was like, OK. And then like <laughs> she had um, butter oil called ghee. Like it's like it's butter, but the dairy has been removed from it through boiling. Oh. And um, yeah, we we sat down like. Rolled up a couple blunts, like, you know, I was taking it to the face, like, but not feeling overwhelmingly high. There was like, you know, she she burnt it and she did this mantra and um, she just started working. She started like doing her campaign stuff and I'm just in the corner making music and I'm just like vibing, feeling really like really slow down, like how we get you, but not nervous, like just heavy and yeah. like just feeling myself. And um, 
I don't know. We, we since we smoked two blunts in a closed room, you're thinking like, oh, I'm a I'm a smell like weed when I go in the house right now. But I came out and I smelled like a a light bonfire. Like uh. it was like this whole like awesomeness about it. And you you have to do this. It's called Agni Hotra. You have to do this um, ritual at sunrise at a specific time and at sunset at a specific time. You just open and close your day. That's why you wake up at six. Yeah, that's well, I wake up around five thirty. Yeah, you know. To explain why I know that to those of you listening, when I was texting Zero, going like, "Okay, yeah, I can swoop you up." Like, you know, most rappers are like, <laughs> "I'm like noon," and they're like, "Oh, dog, noon." <laughs> and this was like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about it. I'm always up at six. I said, "God damn, that's." Because <laughs> I'm up at eight, and I, I, that makes me feel like I'm on top of the day. But shit, six. That's, yeah, it's, yeah, like I said, it's like it's a new development for me. And like sometimes, you know, being caught up in rapper life, you know, nightlife, doing clubs and shit, like I can't do it all the time. But for the most part, when I'm labbing, like it's good to get a good night's rest, wake up early in the morning when nobody's around. It's just like night, only there's light. And um, I don't know, my my roommate. Uh, who we I share a wall with he he sleeps early and wakes up early as well so like you know it I don't want to yeah I don't want to bother him or anything at night so what did you call it what is it called again Agni Hotra Agni Hotra Agni means fire yeah. and um I'm not sure what Hotra and like, like, like what kind of like what it's um orthodox Hindu kind of practice and um yeah it it is closely related to yoga mm-hmm. which I've been trying to get myself more into like I started just doing yoga recently. Yeah. But more like for fitness stuff. Yeah. I mean, like for me, it's fitness yeah. as well. Like overall, just uh, holistic health. Yeah. Know? That's the thing. I still have like jock tendencies from like <laughs> athletics and high school and stuff. So I'll go do these like gorilla heavy weight workouts at the Wait. gym. And I was feeling like it was getting me in shape, but I was also feeling like more tense. Like all my muscles were always like flexed and too yeah. tense. And so I, somebody's like, oh, you should start doing yoga. Yeah, straight up. I'm, and the first time I did it, man, I'm telling you, like, I sweat like I had just run two miles, but I felt, like, <laughs> so fucking relaxed. Yeah. It was amazing. By the third time I did it, like, when you end in the corpse pose or whatever, like, I, I was, like, listening to the lady on, on the video that I was watching, and, and I just fell asleep. Like, I got hypnotized, <laughs> and I fell asleep. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I woke up feeling like, holy shit, man, I feel alive right now. Yeah, dog. Yeah. I, I love it. Like, I, I, they always have free yoga out on the park bluff in long beach yeah like i don't know pretty much every day of the week and i really got into it then i've always really wanted to get into it just you know i hearken to spiritual topics even before i knew what it was about i just like i knew there was something more and um yoga came with it for the most part and as i as i studied it and like people i met you know it just it all kind of tied in like oh believe it or not like i was watching this documentary on uh sedus which are like traveling spiritual men in india uh-huh. and um there was this like crazy gnarly documentary about the most radical sect and like this guy lives on the cremation grounds and like does all this stuff and i like heard these like he does these wails where he's like screaming out the name of shiva and i like sampled it and i was like oh that's mine you know like started throwing them in my sets Got into Agni Hotra, which I didn't know was, like, related, you know, like, the whole Hindu, like, feel. And then... um, So you were drawn to it before you knew what it was. Yeah, well, that's how everything in my life happens. Like, I'll get hints of something, and then, like, it'll just keep appearing, and, like, pretty much becomes me. Like, it just, just, like, 
I guess you you may know how like mirrors work, but mm. you know, once you've taken something into your consciousness, you start to identify it. Like maybe I wouldn't have noticed it, you know, if I if I um hadn't seen that documentary or something like I wouldn't have caught the relationship wouldn't have like got these prayer beads if I you know didn't hearken to those relationships mm-hmm. because I wanted to grow and expand in yoga I think my you know subconscious self was like you know get the get the tools and then like you know understand read the books you know and practice the meditation yeah. you know I have a hard time relating to spirituality. I've always had a hard time relating to spirituality. Like I, I almost wish that I could be more spiritual. Cause like w- w- when you talk about, like you started to question Christianity, when I started to question Christianity, everybody was talking about God and like how God talks to them. And I was like, I, he, nobody ever talks to me. Yeah, straight like, I don't feel that, you know? And, <laughs> and, and, and I kind of always went the route of science, but I, I wonder like in that time when you said like, you knew there was something bigger and, and you needed something that made you a better person or like that, ma- you know, that makes you better. Yeah. Like, was there a time in the interim of emptiness where you felt kind of lost without something? Or oh, like when, when you were questioning Christianity, like, did you feel lost? Yeah, dog. It was crazy. That was um, when I was commuting from my parents' house to Cal State Long Beach every morning with a broke ass van and like really struggling to make the grades and like, you know, like dealing with being in the house and like being at college, which were like two different worlds and um, wanting to better myself was just a little difficult with my parents there. You know, like I, I just I didn't know how I was going to do it. And dude, I was like undergoing like sleep deprivation, like just like feeling like this reality this plane was a dream like i was just i was on one bro like you know tried psychedelics for the first time and just got my head completely blown off like what did you try um first thing i did was shrooms and it was very light me and my friends went out to big sur during spring break beautiful place to go shroom yeah dude it was wonderful (laughs) were the poppies blooming yeah oh fuck it was beautiful and and scary at the same time to everyone that's listening if you've not been to big sur it like when the poppies are blooming and go (laughs) run on those fucking cliffs like you are missing out on what california is about dog for real real, for real like water creeks huge trees that are hundreds of years old yes like it's gorgeous dude i was about that life i was so so into it and um it was just a juxtaposition you know going why was it scary it was it was scary because you see the power of emotions and like how that can actually shift and change a reality to like it just really opened my eyes to perception like i was well i think a lot of times when you when you're doing um hallucinogens you can kind of almost visualize energy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Definitely. Like the light trails that you see or whatever that starts to feel like shit is alive. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? The world was breathing. Yeah. My dude. And I was with a few friends, my homie and his lady. Uh, she, We were walking and like she was like, you know, frolicking along and like walking on this dead tree and uh, slipped and fell. Ooh. And like it was like, oh, you know, like she hit her chest and she was just like, oh, uh, like face went flush red like that's not some like, shit you want to see on a loosened and then like she, she looks down at the tree she was walking on and it's dead and it has sh- mushrooms growing out of it and then she's just like everything's dying like oh. just 
started freaking out. We were just like, oh no, like the beautiful colors like turned dark. Like like the sky went dark. You That's know? the other thing. Like when you're around a group of people like that, everyone's on the same vibe. Yeah. And like if the vibe shifts, everyone shifts. Yeah, and that's dark. really that's like something that's a theme in hallucinogens yeah, for real. Definitely. Yeah. And my homie was he he had done it so many times. He was like the shaman of the He's trying he was to like, guide everyone he was back. Like, I'll handle this. Yeah. You guys go on. You know, yeah, like yeah. and I was like Oh, like, and then it got lighter again, you know, like, yeah, walked away yeah, and he, yeah. like, tended to his lady. And I, that was, that was a beautiful experience yeah. as well, you know, just, like, having someone who had control in that very vulnerable situation. Right. Like, opened me up to, like, you know, the idea that, okay, maybe I can get to this place, you know, on, on my own terms, you know, and um, have the control to, like, sustain my, my emotional sway. Yeah. Which pretty much came of of doing psychedelics the after after shrooms i i tried lsd didn't i won't say it was unknowingly but i went to big bear for a friend's birthday party and um you got laced yeah well <laughs> i went to his i went there and then like realized that we were okay we were in this cabin in big bear and like it was an lsd party like, oh, i was yeah. like what like dude like i'm not like that you know and it was my it's better than it being an orgy party that you didn't yeah, realize you were invited to you that know? that would have freaked <laughs> me out dog oh my god yeah. oh my god so uh, like how did you ingest the lsd um it was just like a tab tabs yeah, yeah but it was did you guys go explore Ooh, let's see uh, acid makes me just like i talked about it on the last podcast yeah. actually like it just makes me want to go explore yeah yeah I, I feel like lsd could have been a pleasurable experience if i was allowed to explore much like you know being on shrooms you stayed in the cabin yeah stayed in the, well it was dark outside and uh, freezing yeah, you know yeah. so like i mean being outside was awesome like i looked up the moon was pretty much full and like you know light was taking on a whole new like property so like it felt like a portal like a light was coming from my forehead all the way to the moon yeah and i was just i don't know i was just in awe of that and then i'm like okay what's going on inside like just constantly trying to see what was up with other people and then i don't know i I took a spill like my mind started going too fast and my body decided of its own will to cease function like i was walking up the stairs and like stopped and and fell Ugh. and everything after that was a complete blur like really? i just I, I lost myself like in those moments and and it was after that that i started experiencing ptsd like a lot of anxiety and um like in everyday life yeah dog wow. like like crowds never used to bother me but then like i'd go to like low end theory which was like my home at the time. And it just people like the vibe and energy of people and like the heat, it would just, it would drive me mad, dude. I start seeing stars. It was like galaxies were overlaid over my eyes, you know, this is only after one time. This was one time doing acid. Never did it again. But like any, any substance that I put into my body, whether it be alcohol or like herb, like if there is energy around me, if there's something intense, loud or anything going on around me, I will start to hallucinate. Wow. And um, I guess I kind of wanted that. You know, I wanted to experience spiritual things in everyday life without the aid of, you know, some secondary substance. Because I feel like, you know, being human kind of gets humdrum, you know, or something. And, like, people escape to that place, you know, because, you know, that's more real to them, you know, being broken away from this thing that's really, really daunting. But, um, yeah, like... Uh, it just it just taught me to respect substances and like you know just um take it all have you done shrooms again since then 
Yeah, I, in fact, uh, shroom, because shrooms was such a pleasurable experience, yeah. I allowed myself to do it again. And it completely uh, turned around my PTSD. Mm. It, was, it, was, it was like, okay, I did acid, and then I was like turned off of psychedelics. And then I think uh, somebody offered me some shrooms, and I was like, okay, you know, like I did have a good time on them. Maybe, maybe again. And it was great again. I, yeah, I was cured. It's funny for me. It's the exact opposite. I've always had a great time on acid, and when I and the first time that I did shrooms, I had a horrible trip. Like mm. freaked the fuck out. Oh man, uh, it was terrible. I don't want to get into the whole story, but it was bad. It was a bad trip, mm. and I always tried to. I kept trying to do shrooms, going, "I'm gonna end on a high <laughs> note with these." I did them a bunch of times, and I never had a good trip. Yeah, I think expectation probably does it too. You're yeah. like, "I'm gonna have a good time this time," but yeah. then like you're sort of remembering what happened. You know what really fucked it up? for me with, with shrooms was that the f- we took shrooms and then we decided to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory have you seen that movie yeah even sober that is the <laughs> darkest most depressing yeah. I'm like how is this a child's movie it's this creepy that dog. shit is fucking dark very, very and we watched dark. that on shrooms and I'm like this is fucking ru- this is killing my fucking vibe yeah. dude. and then uh, yeah it was terrible people do that Alice in Wonderland when I was on LSD they were watching the hippie episode of Pee Wee's Playhouse and oh, made me shit. feel like such an idiot I was just like what am I doing here yeah. you know my parents are probably like pissed yeah like you know or something like that it was just yeah it it can it can really like mess you up if where your your mind comes from is you know something very like religiously grounded or like you know don't do drugs like those things are like in your in your head when you do those things but like you know things can be pleasurable like those experiences can be you know you can learn from them if you respect them enough and that's yeah, what i learned absolutely like, from doing them for sure is weed a part of your life still oh yeah yeah I, I, when did you start smoking weed uh college in college oh <laughs> yeah. you were late yeah i was late dog. were you ever a drinker nah i started drinking and smoking weed the same year i was 17 at, at cal state long beach and like i had I that's had just a, once you're out of the house let's get it in yeah it was it was more like okay I'm a I'm a rapper. I got locks. Like people always like was like, oh, you got a lighter or oh, you got some papers. And like, and I was just like, no, dog. Like you know, don't stereotype me. But yeah. then like there was a whole like reason for I guess doing it because I had to make it good for me. Like right. I was like, you know, I got to get on it on my own terms. I can't be like, oh, I got dreads, so I'm gonna smoke weed. Like, what inspired you to grow the dreads initially? Was it a style thing at first, or was it always kind of a was it foresight knowing that you would end up being into the spirituality of it? It was like, um, let's see, I had braids. You know, I had long hair since since before I was even allowed to have it. Like I went to a Christian school and there was strictly like two inches rule, like no nothing over that. So I would like wash my hair in the morning and like let it dry and crunch up and like because i did not want to cut my hair i was so so pissed when they actually made me do it but yeah i would rock braids i thought i had a funny shaped head so i just wanted hair to like you know compliment it or whatever Mm -hmm. but then um probably like my prom like around prom uh i had a homegirl who went by artists and she had like these faux locks, you know, like little twisty joints. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, those look dope. And we kind of looked similar, like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And I was like, those look dope. So I started like getting like individual little braids and then I like, got twisties. And then uh, I got my hair twisted for prom and um, decided to leave them in pretty much. And how long? Uh, so you've been growing them since you were, what, 16, 17? Yeah, 16, How 17. long are they now if you let them down? Oh, uh, like to the middle of my back but like they used to be like oh they're so long but they look short to me like mm-hmm. they, they look really really short to me now mm-hmm. and uh, 
I know that they're just going to keep growing. I probably won't cut them. I, I've thought about it, but I probably won't cut them for a while. Yeah. I feel like uh, people that I've talked to that, that have dreads is always kind of like there's a moment in their life when they just all of a sudden know that it's time to like change something. And, yeah. and that's, the, that's what has to go then. Yeah. It brought yeah. order to my whole shit. And like I don't get them done by anybody. Like I twist them myself. They look kind of raggy right now. But, you know, that's because my head is growing and like. I don't. I don't want to like twist up my baby hairs and like get a receding hairline or something. Like, yeah, I just yeah, like yeah. Yeah, let it let it grow out. What but, did you dress like in high school? As your skating, was it like a skater kid type thing? <laughs> nah. <laughs> How was it? Let's see. Okay, I was bordering skater kid, probably like late late high school. But I don't know. I was I was eccentric as like eleventh grade. I had this whole turnaround. You can like. You can like see it. I, I've seen like like a like a Tumblr feed where like you know some kid like had uh, his like ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth yeah. grade. It was pretty much the same thing. I got like more eccentric as high school went on, and like eccentric. How though? Like Andre three thousand oh, eccentric, dude. He was like my biggest influence. Like really? I, yeah, like I think. Andre made it okay for me to like, okay, I'm gonna get those bell bottom true religion jeans. Like they look dope. I'm I'm not gonna lie, they look dope to me. And I was like, I'm I'm gonna get them. And I would like get my hair braided up into like a mohawk like Coolio and like wear one contact or like half head braided, half not. Like, you know, I pretty much broke every uniform rule known to man and like just unforgivingly i just you, you oh you went to a school that was uniforms king drew had uniforms wow dog. A high so you were like fresh princing it i was uniform from tyke up to high oh, school shit. yeah wow. straight up yeah i never had to go to uniform school that's crazy <laughs> yeah dog it puts a strain on my parents pockets and like i had to find my niche within it i was like okay i like wearing black i'm not gonna wear your gold but i'm gonna wear black and i'm gonna wear how i want to you know like People be like, yo, tuck your shirt in or some shit like that. I'd be like, man, fuck you. Yeah. You know? Like you keep my, in contact with a lot of kids that you went to, you know, elementary or high school with? Um, You know what? Even within the bounds of school, I would jump from group to group. Uh -huh. Like, I, I never felt like, I won't say I never felt like I belonged. I felt like I belonged everywhere. Yeah. So, like, you know, I just went through phases. When I was with my <laughs> chick, I would hang out with her friends and some of the weird kids next to them and, like, you know, got to know them and, and stuff like that. But I guess the reason that I ask is because now your aesthetic is, well, I would consider it eccentric now. I, <laughs> I, I would personally. Wait, wait. Yeah, but it's a very, like, you could tell that you're a spiritual dude when, when I see you. You know what I mean? Like, it makes sense, the conversation that we're having all makes sense yeah. uh, it, with your outward appearance so it almost makes me wonder like the kids that also grew up in the uniform like I would say mm. that you've rebelled against uniform at this point you know what I mean <laughs> yeah for and, the most I, part. it makes me wonder if like other kids that grow up in a very uniform you know structured lifestyle growing up have also rebelled against it you know yeah pretty much yeah. I mean like a lot of the friends that I kept from like high school actually went to college with me like they moved up with me and um, the last group that I started kicking it with in high school were the eccentric kids mm -hmm. in, in high school. and But they were more eccentric in terms of character. Like, they were just, like, very weird and, like, damn near, uh, what, what's the word? Uh, like, Tourette's. They had Tourette's mm. and, like, would just be, like, silly all the time. No and, like, filters. Yeah, just helped me. Like, yeah. helped me get out of that rigid... What was rigid, the racial makeup of your high school like? Black and Mexican. Oh, really? And, like, sparingly whites that pretty much we're black uh, you know yeah, yeah. but like 
Yeah, it was right there on the corner of like 120th and Compton, dog. Uh, like, yeah, it was. What was it like busing it there? Um, it was cool. I lived in Gardena at the time. And my parents moved to Gardena right after I graduated eighth grade. There was a, a school bus that actually came since it was still considered L.A. County. Oh, and, cool. And um, had to be out there like maybe uh, two hours before school, rain or shine. And yeah. Just just park out there and, and, and wait for the bus to come. A lot of my growing experiences happened on the bus, dog. Like, Meaning? Like my first day, like I sat in front of this dude named uh, George, Big Jeezy, BGZ. He became a homie later, but he like set one of my braids on fire. What? Yeah, dog. He like had a lighter and like lit that shit. I was like, what the f-? You know? And he's a huge dude. I was, wasn't going to say anything to yeah. him. But uh, we would start off in my hood, which was pretty much G13, like Mexican territory, like you know, all the kids were were pretty much good goody goodies, and then we would go to like 132nd in Van Ness, where it was like shotgun crips and like kids that really were into that. And those were a lot my growing experiences. Like first day, I sat next to this dude, Big Mike. Everybody was big, you know, <laughs> but because was uh, he was just you know just a hood mentality. Yeah. And they they toughened me up a lot because I even though I like grew up in Long Beach, Compton. Like, I lived in Compton for 10 years, like, during that whole time where I would, you know, go to church in Long Beach. I had never been exposed to those things. My mom wouldn't let me play outside and stuff like that. I was just very sheltered and just in my creative realm. I I didn't want to go outside. I had a huge yard and stuff. But, yeah, like, just getting that that experience on the bus, you know, having two of my closest, not only closest friends, but close friends of mine who were on my route pass in the same year oh really yeah from gun violence or first one was from gun violence and the other one had a seizure but i'm I'm pretty sure it was drug related yeah or drug related something to his um you know his his environment i feel you you know you know you're in high school you start toying with beats and stuff like that Mm. you start rapping and recording yeah yeah when was the point where you met the current guys that you're running with now well first off name some of the people that you run with and tell me about like the collective that you're working with and yeah kind of how you met those guys and how you guys started vibing word um early on i um i started uh working at vans like right after high school the summer transitioning to college i started working at vans and like my, uh, Vans retail spot? Yeah. Which Vans, one? Uh, in Hermosa Beach. Oh, okay. They well, tried to apply the, to the one at South Bay Galleria near Gardena. Yeah. But uh, they were building a new store. So they hired me to like help build this new store. And um, yeah, like Beach City stuff. It was it was cool. But um, my boss, her name was Jessica. Really young chick. Knew about everything that was L.A. And like was like, you know, knew that I made music. And um, around that time, I had met John Wayne. And How'd you guys meet? At a poetry show at the Blue Cafe in Long Beach. She was huh. just like beanie and sandals, like some frumpy dude. Like I was like, oh, who is this kid? You know, but he was he was holding it down. I was like, all right. He was like, you rap. Because I did poetry and he rapped. And he was like, I think you rap. And I was like, yeah, I do. Like, that's my, my forte. Don't get it twisted. And um, we, we started vibing out then. My boss was like, you should come with me to this club that I know is called the Airliner on Wednesday nights. It's super dope. And like... I was like watching Adult Swim at that time, and I got this podcast. I had like Flylo on it, and like got into Daedalus. And uh, I go there that night, and it's uh, 
beat invitationals and i was just like holy shit like yeah. these guys are in my fucking ipod right now like i just found out about these guys and it seemed very like destiny Syn- filled I was just, yeah i was just like whoa like you know this is around the time i'm le- like smoking weed and stuff too like just really getting into it and uh yeah like uh i was like oh, i gotta come here i gotta come here like you know often as i can and like didn't go for a long time had to work stack up was in school and stuff and then when i took a break from school started kicking it with john moore and he was like yo we should hit up this spot that i know like you were really like it i was like okay yeah and then like happened to be a wednesday and it was the same place and i was like mm. holy shit like i'm back here again mm-hmm. and um just went there religiously for like what um, year was that maybe 2000 11 2010 okay the first time i went was 2008 2007 one of those but Uh um yeah so 2009 2010 like religiously went there for like two years or so like it's a complete blur like hella weeded out you know and stuff like that just just trying to like see what was good and, and all of that but yeah that that was like the bulk of my musical growth and um started like internet slanging you know internet hustling and shit and like met uh shlomo and like all of the we did it cats and um you know we we vibed out for a cool couple years and i mean we recently had a a little falling out because you know they're on different terms and stuff we i already knew that we were very much different people just by where we grew up you know but I'm not sore about it. Some people are. But. It was like a, it was a, <laughs> like a real falling out, not just a fading out, a it fading was a, away. Okay, it was more like a fading out for yeah. me. Because I mean, I know like Shlomo and the We Did It dudes, they're like really on a fast track upwards right mm-hmm. now, and so I could see like you know sometimes when that happens, like you know people have to pull away a little bit. It is yeah. what it is. Well, it was their entity before we even came into the picture. It was more like, dude, you're dope. We would like to have you on, but we still lived worlds apart, and like you know just tried to keep up on the internet and stuff, but. We're, we're music heads. We'll yeah. like lose ourselves in our own respective spaces. And I, I respect the shit out of him and all the things that he does. He's always been cool with me, even up till recent, you know, I haven't really heard anything from him, but yo, like much love and success to those cats. Yeah, and, like, for sure. Yo, like, you know, peace to them and their health and all of that. Like it, that, that was the crew I was running with then. But, you know, since the falling out, it's just been pretty much me and John Wayne. We were like, you know, road dogs and um jeremiah j when he moved out here like he instantly became a quick brother and um i'm just i've been stewing with everybody in highland park you know mind design that's like my brother like you know i'm a roommate of his now like he stays at the house i i, I stay at and that's that's just the group i'm running with right now yeah. just like uh i won't even say that like they're misfits or anything they're just like creative but very like kind and um open individuals they got to be open if they listen to the shit that i you know i do right but um yeah that's 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 my my eyeball bunch right there i like what you said earlier about like when you're labbing like uh meaning when you're in the lab and and i like it because have you ever heard the term shedding no so jazz musicians when they um they call it shedding. Oh, it's like, dude, where have you been? I haven't seen you. Oh, been shit. I, I've been shedding. And it just means like lock yourself in a fucking shed yeah. and practice, practice, practice. And particularly like lock yourself in a shed with someone else that's good at their craft so you guys can get better together. You yeah. know what I mean? And so shedding. And, and so I feel like, do you and John do a lot of labbing together? Uh, yeah. Probably not so much now. He's a busy, busy kid. Yeah. But, but like we used to like a, a like a great deal and even so like now like i'll go to the studio and then like 
the whole day would go by and like you know we've just been in on this one thing but he he likes to play around too so like we'll like fit in some video what's a, games what's a day of lab what's a day of labbing like for you like what will you start with a beat or a writing or <sighs> i will first off you know i will like mantra you know meditate you know try to like work on on my my posture and, and all of that stuff I sit down like just the other day i had just got back into the rhythm of it i just had a couple crates of records and like just went in and you know tracked it all out and uh, i like to do stuff in ableton so like i'll just like you know warp it flip it loop it and like you know create a mass of of sounds that i like and then like do a little raw cut of like how i like loops to be you know bounce them out throw them on my ipod go to the skate park you know like hear it in my headphones while i'm skating like how would i like this to be and then come back you know mix it a little bit sit back write a little bit and like you know I, I just bounce around i like to keep a lot of like sessions and 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 things open so that i work you know kind of laterally and then at one point it's just like you know boom and like all of a sudden i got like you know 30 tracks at the ready you know it's just like a lot of cultivation yeah and then sometimes there are those like oh i gotta lace this right now and it's just like i'll just work on it until it's done but you know those are like you know little things what projects have you put out so far that uh, are like available to the public Ooh, i don't know how available to the public they are just because of how much i've like disappeared yeah. in terms of internet presence but um they're all mixtapes you know I, like i said i i didn't know how serious to take it i just like i would get music buy music and like you know like it john would send me stuff and i'd be like oh this is dope and i would just lace it you know yeah and uh, put out these mixtapes on some like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. What were they called? Okay, the first one, first one I did was Sound Zero, but that was mostly like my production and a couple beats that people sent to me. And then after that was G7, and I just, I beat Jack Teller for that. And then, see, G7, Elliot Blackbird, more throwaways, then Awful Alterations, then this thing called four pluses which is just like you know positivity to the fourth degree four for me is a number of balance so i like at that time i really needed that and then i did a because i was like getting like feedback from people hell of like they were like oh we really love this i love the production on it i'm like oh i just stole that beat please don't like think too greatly of me i it was just like some fun shit you know i didn't think it would like spread that far but I went ahead and just like produced my own shit. I was like, I make beats. I'm just gonna make some beats and rap on them, you know, and put out tape. And that's the only thing I have sitting on Bandcamp right now. Is it tape? Yeah. What's the Bandcamp? The Bandcamp is zero backwards. Uh, I have an H at the end, so it's Horez. H O R E Z. Dot Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that I listened to. I liked it a lot. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the thing. I, I don't really. Uh, oftentimes with the podcast i don't have people in that i'm not that familiar with you know mm -hmm. what i mean meaning like you know i've never had a conversation with you before I've ne you know what i mean like i've just heard your music and it was enough for me to be like wow you know like i yeah it's it's really good oh, man. You're, very, you're very talented man thank you very yeah much. absolutely man um i found out about you um because of low leaf oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah and she's like oh dude check him out and i, and I 
fucking texture. I'm like, oh, dude, this, I had no idea that this fool wraps so good, like mm-hmm, super tight. Yeah, queen thing. She believes in me and I, I believe in her. Who doesn't believe yeah, in her? She's you know? great. Yeah, super tight. Very like a uh, positive energy to be around and, and very talented. Hopefully I'll have her on here one day oh, too. Oh yeah, she's so, down. I know um, she, I, even if she's not down, you're, you're down. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so tell the people like where they can find you online at this point. Um, Probably Twitter. This is probably like my... my what, what is the Twitter? Underscore zero, Z-E-R-O-H. Okay. So, yeah, if you want to holler at me it's there or like my email is up on there you have some stuff on soundcloud no yeah oh yeah i yeah, do have SoundCloud, soundcloud as well yeah and that's a little harder to remember what it is it's like soundcloud slash uh i just want <laughs> like or something like that e-y-e just want i was lurking like, on john's uh, soundcloud the other day listening yeah. to stuff and and you have some tracks on there with him yeah, too yeah uh what's that one that i was talking to you about in the car uh cool runnings yeah cool runnings if you guys haven't heard this track cool runnings with john wayne and zero like go listen to that just google search uh john wayne cool runnings it both of you guys murder that yeah really great track beastly man yeah love yeah that shit. Love that um shit. so yeah man thank you for coming in i appreciate it it was a really interesting conversation and I, I wish you the best and i look forward to like you know the first official debut release man me too man me too do you want to do any like shout outs before we end yeah shout outs to uh john wayne shout outs to my room mates chad alima ringo i love y'all we miss milo he passed this morning got hit by a car yeah some horrible shit happened on the way to pick him up he, as soon as i picked him up he told me that his cat had, had gotten hit this morning yeah. so rest in peace to milo yeah milo he's a, he's a good man not milo the rapper My, yeah. milo is alive and kicking very, you know? <laughs> very yeah very sad to hear about your cat because yeah. i and i told him that uh you know on a previous podcast i had told the story of how i ran over a cat and it was mm. a very depressing thing so i'm sure that the guy or gal who hit them also feels miserable as well so yeah, uh, yeah you know yeah. nothing but uh sad thoughts about that yeah but much love to all the people out there you know life continues on even even after what was the uh kind of platform label crew thing that you guys are starting to oh me. yeah Yo, what's uh, that real quick john wayne is is um in the process of uh you know building the aesthetic and the premise for black russian and it's a really really cool platform for all the homies that we've been recently doing music with if you've caught the um boiler room like a lot of the people that were in that room bubbling with us pretty much uh, that's who's involved that was that's like you john azizi uh, jeremiah Jeremiah, possibly quayle i mean everybody is on some like possible stuff but mind design like it's you know it just depends upon it's a core group of friends essentially yeah yeah oliver the second you know he's he's he just got put on that night you know because he was hungry as hell at that boiler room dog like you killed the kid nice but um yeah it was um it, it was this idea that we conceived a long time ago. It was actually going to be a duo between me and John, black Russian, you know, me being a black bird and him being a Russian. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like he, he turned it into a, a label idea. And like, I was like, that's perfect. Like we'll have a home to do our weird shit. And like, you know, we, I think we, we got enough clout to like really push that and all the talent that we want to push out has like amazing abilities and we'll, we'll make a very odd and uh, prolific conglomerate. For I sure. believe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. Bright future ahead of you. I have a feeling. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Much love. Very talented man. rapper. So anyhow, my name is intuition. This was zero. Thank you for coming in. You can follow us on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. Follow my man behind the boards. Database at I am database. Base up, with two up? S's. 
Uh, we're coming live from the Cosmic Zoo studio. Check out CosmicZoo.org, uh, the vibey spot run by the magnanimous Daddy Kev and yes, James No Can Do McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition uh, and uh, check out the YouTube video that we're going to have up with Zero at YouTube.com slash That's Kind of Neat. And uh, you can find everything on KindOfNeat.net. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. We love you. And uh, this was Kind of Neat. Yeah, peace. That was dope. Oh, man. That's dope.